We're gonna make a podcast about Death Note and I'll get my friends to watch it on TV. I already showed them a couple shows so they have trusted me. Maybe, kinda. Good morning, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are. And welcome back to Sudden but inevitable the single season television show rewatch podcast starring me your host vanilla husband aka captain bootscoot aka jesse and of course with me as always is my very good friend and longtime co-host josh josh welcome to season four of sudden but inevitable how are you doing i'm doing great i'm doing great um i'm excited to get the next season going man this this should, this what we're talking about is great it's good to see all these awesome faces in the chat Callie, rona uh is that robert from science fiction sci-fi remnant heck yeah good to see you guys I, lo- I love doing this it's my favorite part of the week welcome to friday if you made it to friday that makes you mighty now of course we cannot do sudden but inevitable without this next person and of course i am referring to ricky d from best flicks with ricky d ricky d from best flicks with ricky d welcome to season four of sudden but inevitable how are you doing my friend i'm doing great i am so excited to watch episode two of freaks and geeks uh no 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 no, um no this is this is not (laughs) again we're not doing that until next year for your birthday yep next year like a whole year from last week not even from oh, today. No. But hey, you're seven days closer. I mean, that's a probably a common mistake. Of course, Ricky is referring to, if you were here last week, we were discussing Freaks and Geeks. Actually, we were just talking about being in high school together, but we used <laughs> Freaks much. and Geeks as a cover to do that. Um, I'm sorry, Ricky. No, no. We are talking about Death Note this week. I watched that one, too. Okay. Oh, this, should so this should be good. That's so lucky. I've got notes. I've got ratings. Oh, I've got quotes. God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Crisis averted. We lucked out. I'll I'll still be thinking about freaks and geeks though. Oh, I have no doubt. I figured you were doing that during every episode of Sudden But Inevitable. But Freaks and Geeks was uh, Ricky's like debut lead singing thing. There he uh he got to take the lead on that on that theme song. Which, by the way, our theme songs keep getting better and better. I absolutely love doing these Agreed. things <laughs> yeah we have to throw a big round of applause directly to josh at twist my arm oh. cast for putting the mix on that together dude i don't know that came together over the course I enjoy of it. one day one day and a half days what would you guys say like 19 hours well also let's not yeah. forget his 30 plus years of training oh <laughs> for sure yeah no i didn't want any of that i just i just love doing that and it sounds great Jesse, you, your oh, singing is fantastic. I needed you to have that, though, because w- <laughs> that, I feel like that's becoming part of the identity of Sudden But Inevitable, honestly. And without that, what would we be doing, gentlemen? Now, to answer that question, I'm going to just say it. We are watching Death Note. Yes, we are watching Death Note. It's not the most science fiction show ever, but it's science fiction adjacent. And you know what? The whole point of this is to get Josh and Ricky to watch things they're resistant to, and they're just resistant to anime in general. So I'm going to keep riding the train we had, we went, let's see, live action show, then we went anime, then we went live action show. So here we are at an anime. Now, we can't just 
do this on our own because we stumble through everything that we do in life. So, of course, what we have decided to do is bring a friend along with us. This friend is uh, somebody you may have heard. I was a guest on their show, and we were talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I had a lot of fun. Please give a very warm, sudden but inevitable welcome to Jason from Esoterica Cinema. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well. What's up, guys? Appreciate y'all having me here. Looking, uh, Looking forward to getting into some Anime, yeah, for anybody uh, that didn't uh, listen to the Neon Genesis discussion, we've actually posted the first one of a three-parter for the series itself, and then we've got another two parts on just the movie, so like, we geeked the hell out. Like, it was intense. And uh, so, so it's your fault. It's yeah. your fault that Jason started <laughs> blowing up our chat room. You guys, you guys, uh, 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 you gotta watch this. I was doing that anyway, and then I found the outlet. So yeah. I would just like to point that out. Um, I think, I think, as a matter of fact, I saw you like tweeting about it on Twitter or something, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, because and I, it was my first, it was my first walk through. And the thing is, like, if you ever do go back and check out that show, like, there's so many metaphors, there's so much going on that, like, you have to find someone to talk about it. So it was just one of those things where the stars aligned. And I will say, if you, this is Jason being polite. His way of saying we're doing a three-parter with two extra parts is his way of saying this guy did not shut up for five and a half, maybe six hours <laughs> when I invited him on my show. So, it, oh, I mean, it's true thing. that happened. We talked for like, was it three weeks on end? Like it was a just yeah, weekend, three weekends back to back. Yeah, and I had an absolute blast. I think we both came out of it going, we should do more. And lo and behold, here we are. So. Really quickly, Jason, if you don't mind, please explain to the folks at home or listening out there in podcast land, what is your experience with Death Note? Have you ever seen it before? Is this your first watch through? Where are you with Death Note? What's your relationship to it? So funny thing about Death Note, Death Note is actually the series that got me into anime. Anime was something that I had always been adjacent to had certain friends that were really into it, but it was not something that I myself had gotten into. And part of it was because I was really kind of exposed, I think, to the the wrong animes, right? Like it was here's Sailor Moon and here's Naruto. And you know, I like if people like those, I get it. That's totally cool. But I tend to gravitate towards a little bit darker material. So the first one to come along was from from an anime was Death Note. And then around the same time I got into the manga of Berserk. And yeah, so both of those, you know, Berserk with the uh, dark fantasy aesthetic, like I love that. I had gotten into Bloodborne and then went to Berserk from there. And then, yeah, and then just the whole, um, you know, the whole aspect of Ryuk the Demon for Death Note drew me in. And then it had this whole cat and mouse thing and I drew to really like L. So it sucked me in and uh, it was super cool. So yeah, that was kind of how I got a. That's my experience with Death Note. So I really, really like it. It holds kind of a special place in my heart. I don't know if, like, I love it, and I don't know if there's that aspect of, like, you know, nostalgia, rose-tinged glasses, where it was the one that brought me in, but I really enjoy it. No, I 100% know exactly what you're talking about. I, I have that, I think, with three or four different anime series where I'm like, this was so, like, formational for me for many yeah. different reasons, <laughs> right? So, you know, I turned that mostly into a podcast where, where I think these guys <laughs> go through that show. But that's really great to hear. And and Phil p- makes a great point in the chat. That is dark. <laughs> the Bloodborne to Berserk darkness pipeline is probably fairly strong this day and age, though, yeah. I gotta say. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know, like for anybody listening that doesn't understand just how much the Souls games and Bloodborne were influenced by Berserk, like it's like the creator Miyazaki has been quite open that like 90% of his aesthetic choices are influenced by Berserk. And as a matter of fact, in Bloodborne, your character has a brand on his neck that activates when you're in the presence of certain souls. It's the it's literally Guts's brand, like minus the top two diagonal lines like erased, right? So it makes like a little diamond where it goes like this and he just took off those two and then that's the Bloodborne character's brand. So it's like right there for you. I like Man. that a lot. <laughs> I, I got Bloodborne and I'll be honest, I suck at Bloodborne. Like oh, um, I played hard. I played it a, a lot longer than I thought I would. I was like, this ass, is dude. brutal and I don't know that I enjoy this level of brutal, but... I think I'm going to keep playing it. And I did play it a lot for like a couple of weeks. And then I went, you know what? I think I'm going to go build a city. And I fired up uh, <laughs> City Skylines. Instead. I did that same thing with Bloodborne. It was that like a free game on PlayStation 1. So I was like, ooh, I've never. Huh. And so I played it. And the first, there's the first opening scene where there's like the werewolf. Yeah. And apparently you're not mm-hmm. supposed to kill that or like you don't yeah. have to or something. No, you can't. But I thought like you... You're supposed to die. Yeah, I believe you I, get killed I... the first time immediately. I, I did that for like two hours because I was like, you got to be able to kill this thing. Like, you have to be able to kill this thing, right? And then eventually I was like, well, screw it. But but same thing like like Jesse. I played it for a while. Not yeah. I got to uh, after like the big ocean boss or whatever. And like, there's like a bunch of spiders running around him and stuff. It's like super creepy. Okay, but like, did you, get... you beat that? Did you beat that boss? I no? did. I did. Okay. And I, I was over it after that because it took a long time. I like it took a long time to beat that thing. I, I looked up guides and stuff and like figured out how to do it. And then I, I beat him and I was like, I feel like I beat this game. So you're talking <laughs> so, about Rom the Vacuous Spider, by the way. And I know that's yes. his name because that's the boss that broke me because I couldn't beat him. I literally tried 50, 60 without exaggeration, 50, 60 times and could not beat him. And I was just like, done. There were there were a couple glitches in that game though. Like there was a boss that I got through because he accidentally jumped out the church window <laughs> and then died. Like like you're running around this church and then there's like a little uh a, a pillar and you if, like I ran around the pillar the right way and this big dog jumped out the window and it was like mission complete. I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I could never um, do that again, but cool. <laughs> you guys know that Mario Golf 64 came out on the Switch today? I, I, did. I was going to say, Ricky, you strike me as the kind of person that doesn't like a lot of gothic imagery in their video gaming. Is what I was. Is that accurate, Ricky? <laughs> uh, no, I've played all of the Devil May Cry games. Oh, yeah. Um, Ninja Gaiden kind of has that dark sensation. It. I don't mind it, but uh, I do like my brightly colored oh. Mario and Zelda games. You're just, <laughs> you're just talking about the like 64 like port thing to like the yeah emulator i think it's just on like the online store right like oh Uh, no it's actually it's already it's available if you have the n64 like pack oh yeah mario tennis aces is where it's at ricky come on so anything else let's let's bring this in before we get sued by nintendo because they hate when people talk about their products for some reason on stream (laughs) free Uh, promotion damn so it's really (laughs) strange so as you have, as we have mentioned, we are here to discuss Death Note. Now, I did have a slip up on the live show where I had announced we were going to do Death Note. I said, "Don't worry, there are twenty six episodes. There are not. There are thirty seven. Mm-hmm. So, 
We're going to do 26. I know what there's 26 of. Neon yeah. Genesis. Ah. Please go listen to my episode of <laughs> Esoterica Cinema. Trust me, it is worth your time. So that w- in the spirit of that, we're going to go two at a time because there's no way we could do 37 weeks straight of this and still be able to cover Firefly for its 20th anniversary. Just throwing that out there. So in the spirit of covering two episodes at a time, I am just going to throw out the setup here, and then I'm going to ask Ricky and Josh how they feel about it in general, and then we will go from there, okay? So if you've never seen Death Note before, uh, please watch it and then come back. I don't think this should be your first experience with it, but basically the first episode entails a supernatural notebook falling from the sky, a very intelligent high school student finds this notebook and on the first page it says whoever's name you write in here will die and he assumes it's a prank and he basically runs some tests and finds out that no this thing is actually like this works so let's start with you ricky d from best flicks with ricky d just basic premise kid finds a supernatural kill people notebook does that draw you in was that enough or were you rolling your eyes going into this series uh, definitely rolling my eyes. Uh, it, it's definitely an interesting idea. I like that they're kind of digging into the philosophy of it. How do you prove it to yourself? And then where do you go from there? Kill all the murderers or kill all the bad people in society. Of course, that's an excellent thought with what to do with it. So I'm curious to see how this all rolls out. But I... I'm, uh, I'm not... Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to have to wait and see where it goes. Gotcha. Josh, what about you? What do you think of the premise? Were you like, okay, I'm ready for this. This is cool. Or were you like, okay, whatever. Um, I mean, it all happens so fast, you know, because there's no like buildup or anything. It's just like, boom, book killed, you know, and I'm still unsure. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I, good, I do. Good. I did really enjoy these first two episodes. Like they were a lot of fun, but I just kind of there's kind of a lot to hate cool. about them too. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of setup. I would say I don't know that I think there's a lot to hate about them, but I would there's, say there's, there's a, a ton of, of like there's okay, a lot of here's the world, right? So now to that point, what is your what is your overall reaction to the first two episodes? Like Josh, I'll start with you. Who, do, who if you had to pick a side, right? Are you going to side with Light, or would you side with L? Well, I would side with Light first until he gets all holier than now. I'm a god, and I bring justice mindset. Well, but well, how much of, like, okay, give me a line. Like, is it because he started talking about, like, I'm a god, and now it's like, okay, now it's not okay, even if you're doing the right yeah, thing? Yeah, kind of. Okay. That's that's what I'm, what I'm, yeah, pretty much. Um, but okay. on the other hand, like, L is a is a badass, you know, <laughs> the way that he did that. But I also there's a huge what is it, in the first episode I think when when uh what's his name? God, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call him the the devil man because it's all I can think of when I see him. <laughs> the <laughs> exposition yeah. demon is what I call him. <laughs> exposition <laughs> demon. Well, I mean, I could just call him the Apple Pen guy because this is this is how I know him is just the Apple Pen guy when he does. The Josh whole immediately thing. went and typed in Death Note memes to his to every search engine. No, after this first that, two episodes. I, yeah, no, but go ahead, go ahead. I don't know, man. I, I really like L, but I, I also know, like for a fact already, 
that he's got a death note or knows someone with a death note or had a death note in the past or something like that. And that's how he's kind of figuring this stuff out. Like at the beginning, the, the devil man talks about death notes have fallen to the earth before and blah, blah, blah. And so then L all of a sudden like knows basically what's going on and how to catch this guy or how to like draw him out. And so I like that because I think there's a lot more to L's character as far as like if he's good or bad. Um, so I, I, I'm intrigued about, about that, about that storyline. If I can kind of jump in please. on Josh's thoughts, yes, please. The <laughs> light character, when he's getting all, I am a God and I will choose life and death for these people. I didn't like that because he's going forward so hard and so fast with his plan. Whereas L is much more, I'm going to try and figure something out. I'm going to get a little, yeah, he's methodical. He's slowly, he's not only slowly doing things, but he's also taking all of that information and putting it into his next decision. Whereas the character of light is just like, man, I've got this murder notebook and I'm going to decide who's going to die. Here we go. And I'm, I'm much more into the slower methodical thoughts of L. So, yeah. Despite being the resident misanthrope, Ricky D, you find yourself falling on the side of L after these first two episodes? Uh, yes. I can recognize, <laughs> like, I, I understand that if you have this death note, it would be a great idea to just kill all of the bad people in the world. But I'm sure we're going to explore this theme throughout the entire series. What makes a bad person? Because right. they're in jail? because they have been accused of some crimes. There are tons of situations where people have gone to jail and d done so uh, unnecessarily. Netflix right. made that Making a Murder documentary just a few years back where the Avery family was just totally messed with by the police and they would probably end up in this death note. So why you can't be so confident about these kind of things uh, unless you know... You know, if I wanted to murder my neighbor, I could make a good justification for why that has to happen. But just getting information off of an online database, I can't trust that. Well, and he also talked about like the bully that was taking the money for the arcade from that kid. He's like, I could kill him. Nobody would even know. Would anybody even care? And so I kind of agree with that. Already, sure, <laughs> I agree with that. Kind of, not really, though. I, I don't know if you watched the latest episode of Moon Knight, but it's like killing. Okay. okay. No, I'm like like going on and killing people for no reason. Like like yeah, he could be a bully, but that doesn't necessarily mean he deserves to die over it. It's it's just like the the first um first guy he killed, L had mentioned, you know, it was a very small-time crime and you still killed him over it. Like that's it's kind of crossing the line in some so ways. So it leads me it leads me to my next question, gentlemen. Excellent answers by the way. I do have to ask. So Let's rewind it just a little bit. I just wanted to, mm -hmm. let me use the phrasing, set the game board. So <laughs> let's let's rewind a little bit. Ricky, it's your senior year of high school. You're chilling in study hall. You hate study hall. You see a notebook fall out of the sky. You pick it up. It says, if you write somebody's name in here, they'll die. Do you test this notebook out? Do you throw this notebook away? What are you doing with this notebook, Ricky D, from Best Flicks with Ricky D? Well, on the one hand, I reject the notion of most anything supernatural. However, I also like to think I'm a scientist. So 
I would definitely, I think I have to try it out. Uh, do I go choose a random person that's created a cr committed a crime that I think is heinous? Uh, do I maybe go down to the old folks home and, you know, mercy kill <laughs> grandma? Uh, I don't know how, but I think I'd have to test it out somehow. Whoa. So, okay. Okay. Jason, same question. Feel free not to implicate yourself to quite the degree that Ricky D has. Um, but if you're in high school and you're immensely bored with your senior year and you see a notebook fall out of the sky and it says that, what do you, are you going to try it out? Are you going to test it? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that like the way light handled it is exactly the way that I would, where I'd be like, this is probably just some BS. I'm sure it's not legit, but like, what the hell do I got? And, and also I was like a very lame kid in high school. I did not have a lot going on. So I had nothing but time to do stupid shit like that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure I would be like, well, this, this is probably some, and then, but there'd still be that part of me that would probably be worried. So I wouldn't come out and do anybody that I'd be like sad if they went, you know, yeah, I'd probably pick somebody that for whatever my criteria was at the time I said deserves it. Right. Hopefully it wasn't like, one of the local kids that like talked shit the day before or something like that. And I was just like, right. <laughs> well, therein um, lies the issue, right? Is what are your criteria? And Josh, before I ask you the same question, I'm going to throw it to the live chat. Live. Chat. I actually, that's exactly what I was going to do is throw it to the chat before <laughs> anything. So, okay. Yes. Sound off. If you find this notebook, are you testing it? If the, if the first page says whoever's name you write in here dies, do you write a name in there? And, if you feel like throwing out an example, not like a specific example, but a, you know, vague, for instance, like uh, historically despotic person, you know, something like that. So I find that interesting. Uh, Josh, what about you? What's your answer? Do you test this out? And, and what do you think? Absolutely. And and do you have uh, an elaboration on that or is... <laughs> oh, uh, I Affirm, would... yes. <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> I'd probably do the same thing that he did just because I like to think that I could be a hero someday. Let me be your hero. I, I'd probably go find, like, watch the news and be like, oh, you know, watch for some suspect, you know, or. So you think you would become a god of a new world? Yeah, most likely. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, but I like the thought of going to the old folks' home <laughs> and no, do, just to test no, it out, just to test it out <laughs> because. Because that's kind of like that. It's least consequential in that situation. I again, I would argue with both of you until I was blue in the face. I think we both know that. Uh, our friend Robert from Science Fiction Remnant says I would be skeptical, but I think I would burn it without testing it. Uh, our friend Brittany in the chat says no, I think it was a joke, and I try not to pick up stuff that I find on the street. I mean, <laughs> you are clearly more prudent than the rest of us. Uh, yeah. I I think that that is. I think it goes to show, though, that this character, right, was the perfect person to find this notebook, right? Because he has the right mix of ego and um, willingness to test it out and, like, vision, however twisted it may be. There are only so many people that would pick it up and try it out. And then once they saw that it actually functioned, that would hold on to it and, and keep going from there, right? So... I have to ask Josh and Ricky, I know that you're both anime resistant. What do you think of Ryuk, the devil man? What do you think of the Shinigami? Josh, let's start with you. I hate the way he eats apples. 
<laughs> uh, uh, strap in, honey. Uh, what about you? Richard? Yeah, I'm sure. I hated that character. I thought Why? his design was stupid. He looked like a cracked out Pennywise. Uh, I hate. I don't think he has a whole lot to add to the storyline. Like I said, I need, like the exposition demon. He just kind of tells you what's happening. And if you're paying any kind of sense, paying any kind of attention, you already know what's going on. I I just thought his character See, I'm was on the stupid end. and annoying and just... <laughs> he reminds me of the opposite end. I think he's hilarious, and I do... <laughs> I think he's probably my favorite character because he's just so... Like, he's like a kid with a lazy eye that <laughs> walks around with his wings out all the time. Like, what's this? What are you doing? Why does school suck so much? This is this apple. I'm going to eat this. You're going to kill someone now? You kill a lot of people. Like, <laughs> so Dude, I, I, I liked him a lot. I I thought he was Go ahead, Jason. Funny. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree, man. Like, that, I think he's an awesome character. I really enjoy it. And I think... Like, I think is that it's really cool that uh, the whole conceit of people that use the death notes, like basically being resigned to purgatory. And so now they're just sitting there like bored as hell with nothing to do. Right. And so, I mean, what the hell else is he going to do? Right. Like he's got to get his kicks. He's sitting around here for eternity. I get it. I totally get it. Right. I would if I was sitting around for 700 years, I'd probably want to start messing with the human realm, too. <laughs> uh, and I think he's fun. I like his aesthetic. I like the way he looks. I, 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 I like his personality. I think it's, I, I enjoy the aspect of him liking apples. I think it's a nice, uh, you know, little uh, touch. And yeah, I mean, I just, I, like I love the curiosity. Character. I like his curiosity a lot yes. with like humanity and stuff and how, how different they are. Like there are a couple times where he's like, Oh, humans are so fun. And yeah. So let's I, talk. I I love his naivete. Go ahead, Ricky. Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about the way he eats, not the way he eats apples, but the fact that that's an important character definition for him. So what do the apples represent? Are they humanity? Is he consuming some type of humanity when he's eating these apples? Is Do the apples represent Christianity of some sort? And he's doing something to be defacing Christianity. What do we think those apples are symbolizing? I think the apples are sort of Ryuk's uh, Death Note equivalent, right? So how Light is like, I'm so bored. I just need some change. I need something different. I need, you know, entertainment. And then this magic notebook falls out of the sky, which, again, to Jason's point, I think it's actually really interesting that he's like, I'm so bored. Where's the thing? And then the consequence of using this thing is that you will be in purgatory, like... (laughs) where you're definitely going to be bored, right? <laughs> so a couple layers there. But also it is to me like, okay, so that's what makes, that's what adds spice to Light's Day, right? Is he's like, oh, there's this magic notebook and it came from the other world. So the object from the other world that's enticing to Ryuk, his, uh, his other side of that coin is the apples. He's like, there is no life where I'm from. So everything tastes like dust. They apparently have a an ability to taste things right so it's like it's kind of like drugs to him in the way that the notebook sort of ends up acting like drugs to light pretty quickly i mean the dude gets down on some name writing so (laughs) i personally think it's more of like a you know forbidden object you know that you have sudden access to metaphor than it is a like uh, uh anything larger 
as far as a concept than that. Really quickly, let's catch up with a couple of things in the chat. Our friend Phil says, I love Ryuk. I named my firstborn after him. And because Phil is not here live, I'm not going to read his third comment. Uh, <laughs> science fiction remnant says, Shinet. <laughs> I almost said shenanigans. <laughs> Shinigamis are based on Japanese folklore. Creepy AF. Brittany says he has been waiting for someone a little unhinged to find the notebook. He wants chaos. Boy, howdy. Did he find it? There are no apples where he was. Thank you. Apples are his cigarettes. Yes, exactly. So I want to further ahead, that um, the creepy AF comment from, from <laughs> Robert. They're like the Shinigamis are like the Japanese Grim Reapers, basically. And they're they're the death spirits. And they ferry the death into, you know, the land of the dead. So that makes a lot more sense that he would have a death note where he writes names into and why he is so happy about all the names that this kid has written into these books and how he, you know, because it's it's getting more dead into the land of where he is. And like, kind of, he's kind right. of just doing his job for him at this point. Yeah. And so, and we will get further into that, of course. But I would say, if you have some resistance to the Ryuk character, I want some books. Someone give me some books of of, of try some to, nice shinigamis. <laughs> try to picture him uh, in the same spot that uh, Morpheus was in in the first Matrix. Right? He has to give a ton of exposition, like sit and go. Here's what the title of the movie refers to. Here's why that's bad. Here's how we're gonna fight it. Like. He's pretty exposition heavy, right? But he's setting up the game board so that the pieces can then act. So I would say maybe try and draw some parallels there. Like Ryuk is giving us a lot of exposition and rules and world building in a non-subtle way. But picture him setting up a large game board and then watching the pieces play. I'll say go with that. So in our first episode, we have the first criminal that Light kills. My wife was walking out of the room right before it happened, right? And I went, honey, he's about to go, ah! And she stopped, and right before he clicked off the TV, he made the face, and he was like, ah! And she went, ah, there it is, and then she walked out the door, and she gave me a thumbs up. And I thought of you, Josh, because it was it was one of those anime sounds, right? Like, there's going to be one of these anime reaction faces and sounds in this. Get used to that, too. I know that you don't like eating noises, so... Ryuk may be a problem for you, but I know that anime sounds in general are not a problem for you, so I'm excited. Well, they're not um, a problem like much anymore because I'm kind of used to it at this point. I mean, even the live-action yeah. Cowboy Bebop had freaking anime sounds <laughs> in it, man. Like, and really quickly, speaking of Cowboy Bebop, I have to say, Jason, beautiful attire. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. That yes, is I made sure fashionable. Rock it for you. Yeah. Very well done. Quite on brand, if I may. <laughs> now, complete coincidence. Did not think about it at spe all. Speaking of being on brand, Ricky D, I know that the thing that is most important for you when watching a series or a movie or anything like that is perceived quality of a general nature. What do you think of the look of this show? I know that it is a little bit different from Cowboy Bebop, but I would say it's comparable as far as the fluidity of motion sort of a thing. What do you think about that? Uh, I've got no complaints about the look. Uh, I think it does a lot of freeze frames, which maybe we did in uh, Cowboy Bebop, the uh, anime, and I've just kind of forgotten. I've gotten, you know, enough distance from that that I, I don't remember it. But I am kind of like, there's all these freeze frames with the camera just kind of panning past a uh, picture or painting or whatever it is. Frame. A frame, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and so it's a little slow, 
but it definitely looks good. And I've got no complaints about the looks except for the Shin Megami Tensei guy. Well, and I will throw out that Josh was nodding his head uh, fervently, and he is correct. There was a lot of uh, Josh talking about there's nothing happening in this shot in Cowboy Bebop. They're just like panning a camera past I, a plate. God, we're um, always on the same so page. So I will point out it's possible that you forgot. Like you said, it is possible that you just forgot it because we watched a live action series. But yes, that is a thing that happens in anime. I cannot wait to make you watch Neon Genesis. <laughs> I saw that once. That the first time you see the like storyboard just kind of pan down, I was like, oh yeah, we're watching anime. That's right. Okay. I'm yeah. good now. <laughs> right. Haters gonna hate. It's just gonna happen. <laughs> time. Hey man. Josh, do you know the uwu sound? I don't, but I can maybe I do. I don't know. Okay. Let me just probably Josh's Josh's <laughs> Twitter handle is at twistmyarmcast. Send your best uwu memes to Josh on Twitter at twistmyarmcast. Please and thank you. That's what's known as a call to action. Josh, Perfect. what do you think about what do you think about the quality of the show? Does it look good? Do you like the sound design? Like how are you feeling about the show in general as far as the quality goes? I think it's great. Um as far as animes go, you know, I've seen much worse. The, and you know, that's why I'm I'm a little turned off with anime because I've always I've always had those friends that are like super huge into anime and you go over to their house and they're watching some super D-rated off-brand bullshit <laughs> that like just, I'm just like this is this what you guys watch all day so I'm I'm glad that we're scratching like the the tip of the iceberg with with the anime that you like bring people into the world with because it is good quality I like. Um, I, I like the the voiceovers on this. I think they do a really good job. Um, the the music is is <laughs> it's very like Final Fantasy. Like I'm playing one of those kind of RPG um, mm. uh, esque games, and yeah. and there's that like metal going on in the background and the wailing guitars and stuff. That so you're just like, yeah, okay, all right, I could get into this. Um, but yeah, I th I think as far as it's it's good quality. It's good quality. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, it's good quality. And I'm, it's great. I'm excited to to watch. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. One more slight rewind. I have to point this out from the live chat. Our wonderful friend Rona says, All this talk of getting rid of someone in the old folks' home is getting way too close for comfort. <laughs> she is talking, of course, about having offered to adopt everyone on our show at one point or another uh, for their own good if necessary so but yeah now now we seem to have upset her we apologize rona i again that was not my idea i would not have tested it there i, I that's not something that i agree eventually with. we all long for the sweet kiss of death so josh speaking of theme songs what did you think about this opening theme song like have you encountered much japanese metal I have, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've listened to, a, you know, they're those guys are incredible over there. They're like, I, I can't even explain like the the way the Japanese metal players are. Like they they're so mathematical with with how they do things. This isn't nearly as like math rock as most Japanese metal bands are, but um, this one is still it's it's very like yeah yeah yeah. This is totally something that. A Japanese metal band would have written for a game like Mega Man X or something like that. That <laughs> like, you know, again the the wailing guitars and the the fast paced kind of punk rock esque drums, um, baby metal. Yes, it's it's good. <laughs> At least there's not like that 
super high-pitched whiny voice in the back now i know people will look at me and my musical taste and be like but josh you love super high-pitched whiny music (laughs) there's a a fine line between super high-pitched whiny music and super high-pitched bubblegum like baby wailing there's 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 just a fine line there so (laughs) this on the other hand this theme song is wonderful and i actually went and looked up uh the like the soundtrack and stuff and went and kind of checked out the the band that did it and the whole song um because the the theme song is cut it's cut up a lot from what the original song actually is but the original song is really good um i added it to my spotify list so it's (laughs) it's wonderful i remember the first 25 seconds of it like it was yesterday um (laughs) Our friend Brittany in the chat says it reminds me of the South Park anime episode, yeah. and I, I couldn't. That's it's one funny of you my see favorite. That, Brittany, because that's what Jesse said when he's like, "I want the theme song to be something like this," and he sent the uh, <laughs> "Let's Fighting Love" yeah. song. He's like, "We're gonna do, we're gonna do this, except we're going to be marginally less racist about it, and we are going to be." more of paying homage to how terrible the English version of this song is. I don't know if you have heard it. It is awful. Like I I for some reason the first time I looked it up, I got the English version of this, which I had never seen until this week mm. on Hulu, on Netflix, everywhere it, it plays the Japanese version of the theme song, which I think is respectable because the English version of this is so bad. And I, am really I need to go listen to it. It's it's bad. Just don't like ours is better than that. No, it, <laughs> it's, it's not gonna be that bad now because he set so. the bar so low that you're gonna listen. You're like, it wasn't oh, that wow. bad. All right. Boot him, Josh. Mute him and boot him. You know how we do this here at Sudden But Inevitable. All <laughs> Sorry, right. Jason. So <laughs> to that to that point though, we when I announced on Twitter at Sudden Butt, which is a great place to follow me if you want to keep up with everything Sudden But Inevitable. I'm making a coin noise a every time of... we do some sort of drop like that. Oh, we should. <laughs> I got a lot of reactions that were, oh, I hope Josh and Ricky D are ready for the best journaling montage they have ever seen. And I I have to ask how you guys felt about this scene because I really feel like the scene of Light writing the names very dramatically and then like, you know, it's showing his arm like add a tail to this letter and like swoop it off the page and then it shows his hand like create this throwing motion while this guy jumps off the building because he wrote that he jumped off the building what did you think of that scene ricky you know i i feel like i should i'm uh being asked to make fun of it but i really i didn't i thought it kind of fit i really thought it fit uh the character is so uh, into himself and he loves this power that he's got that I could totally see him just doing this weird crazy stylized thing and imagining it like when I play RPG games I really kind of imagine in my head that the characters are fighting and clashing I don't uh, I don't throw my fist around or anything but I do I kind of imagine the characters fighting in my head so it, it now I just imagine Ricky throwing his fists around in his head. <laughs> I'm playing Pokemon and I'm pretending to electrocute people. I uh, I was going to say I'm the kind of person that has been known to do an air guitar or two when I have headphones in and I'm not paying attention to my surroundings. Um, so I think if I were going to be writing names crazily, I might end up doing something like that. 
and just so that we're clear, Ricky, when I say, what do you think? That's not me saying, please make fun of a thing. That's <laughs> me just asking what you think. So, Josh, <laughs> what did you think of that scene? <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't help. Like, it's just the noise of him scribbling gets to me sometimes. <laughs> Whatever that noise is. Like, like it bothers your kind brain? of yeah yeah it's like it's like rubbing paper i don't know man i have a weird thing like when he's writing the name the l name at the at the whatever middle of episode two and it's like very thick and you can really hear that pencil digging into or the pen digging into the paper it it just kind of makes me grind my teeth a little bit it's like, like the scratching sound yeah so yeah. like I get that. A lot of that. A lot of that. But I'm always a fan of a montage. Good montage. Especially with <laughs> crazy dude writing names that are gonna be dead. You know? I watched, Even Rocky I, had a montage. Like all Mandalorian montage. and Boba Fett is is montage. Like Quest Me <laughs> has a montage segment. There. <laughs> That's true. I well and so I I have to ask you, Jason, I feel like this is a scene that when you first watch this show, you're like this is a scene where you're like Oh, I'm totally here for this. Or you're like, I'm not gonna watch any more of this show. Like, is that? Do you think that's accurate? And how did you feel about this scene? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of just. So, for the interesting thing is that for me, it doesn't really stand out that much. I think that it plays into everything that's going on. Like right out of the gate, everything is sort of has this flourish to it, right? Even like the the sound design, right? Like. Even in episode one, I think we already get this like very heroic sounding music when he's like doing his stuff, right? So um, I think that it's, you know, it keeps in line with the aesthetic that they're trying to set up. And it also, again, reflects the arrogance and the seriousness with which he takes all of this, right? And that's one of the things I think is most interesting about this is... You know, a lot of times we would see like the way that this character is usually set up is he's going to be the loner kid that's not confident and he's going to find it and it's going to have and then he's going to like the arc is going to be that like he's going to get to where light gets. But like by the end of act two, right, or begin or even maybe like halfway through act two, like they don't even wait till the end of act one to get light to that place. And we see it especially, too, with the way that the teacher has him recite the English and all the kids like are like, oh, my God, he's so good. And it's interesting that you bring up the sound design. I was a huge fan of the sound design. And it does a lot of really subtle things. And that's this is actually a perfect example where you don't even notice it. Like we're in school and there's this sort of chatter of all the kids talking in the background while the teacher asks Light to recite this poem, right? And he gets up and he starts reciting it. And then you actually notice that like all of the chatter dies down and it's completely silent while he's reciting this line. So he's almost in a way kind of used to being revered in a godlike fashion. Very, very minor degree, right? But we already see that he's kind of got this like God complex, God complex. even before it starts. And so I think that was a really strong decision personally. I did notice a lot of cool I things like, and like watching these episodes with headphones on because the first time I watched them, yeah. I just watched them on my TV. But then I, I watched them again with headphones on and there are a lot of 
subtle things that you don't notice unless you have some sort of surround sound on. And the chatter was one of them. There's a lot of different chatter in a lot of different places and just a lot of different kind of noises that make you go, Whoa, what was that? You know, and I do, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Since Ricky is not here, I will say I had a teacher in high school um, that anytime we would take a test, he would go, oh, I just want to record the sound of a hundred pencils scribbling all at the same time, right? And I was like, that's, like, I get where you're coming from, but you shouldn't say that to us. Like, you just shouldn't say that to students at all. But, Dude, I'll um, bet you there's like seven ASMR channels on YouTube right now with that very thing. It sounds like, that sounds like my nightmare, bro. That sounds like my hell. Like I get sent to hell and that's what happened. I'm just sitting there with a pencil and a notebook in my ear right. the whole time. Like, I'll be eating and they'll just be. Our friend Robert from Science Fiction Remnant poses the question, basically, is the Death Note the one ring? Uh, no matter how humble you are, would the Death Note make you arrogant? I don't know because we didn't get to see a humble person pick it up. We got to see Light pick it up, yeah. and it was he was to Jason's point. He's used to being top of the class. He's used to everybody around him saying, "You're so amazing, Light. You did a great job. Like you are an overachiever." He's yeah. like, yeah, I think even his grades come in and they're like straight A's or best grades he's yeah. ever gotten, and he already had like awesome and grades. So. Is like the highest practice yeah. scores in the country or something like that. So no big deal. It's yeah. So, but that's a great point, Jason. That he, so he's already used to sort of being revered as a normal person could be. And his mom and loves to have him. This, yeah, to have this other layer, you know, thrown on top of it, where he also has control over life and death. You could see where he would spin out really, really quickly, and buddy. Does he spin out? So, oh, the psychotic this... looks are wonderful. His like bulging eyes yeah. and like, <laughs> gritting teeth. It's great. So, I will say, I think one of the things that I think one of my favorite moments in the first episode is when the bus hits the criminal that he's watching. You know, the guy who shows up super drunk. He's like, "Hey, here's my name, baby. I'm gonna flirt with you," which, yes, is a little like, "Yeah, you said your name out loud, but whatever." Uh, it was, you know, and then he, he's like scribbling in the notebook in the convenience store. And then he's like, hey, come back here. He gets on his bike and gets hit immediately by a bus. Mm -hmm. That shot of his face where he's like, oh, this totally works, is not like terrified. He's like impressed. And that's where I feel like you either decide, okay, I'm going to watch what this kid does and, you know, be on his side. Or like, I'm going to watch what he does because he's clearly unhinged. So I want to see where this goes. Episode two. Yeah. Episode two is where this goes. Okay. So we are introduced in a very roundabout way to L. Now, this character, I don't know if he's tropey. Like, I don't know that I've ever met a character in anything before where they were like, Here's a completely anonymous world class detective. Is that a setup for like because Sherlock Holmes, everybody knows Sherlock Holmes, right? And most people know Batman. So I, I'm like, I don't know if there's another character that I know of where it's like, here are their two things. Nobody has ever seen them and they're a world class detective. Uh, so I really like that setup. Uh, Ricky D, what do you think about the L character from what you know so far? Uh, mostly, I really like the L character. He's probably my favorite character so far. Uh, one thing that I think this is kind of an anime trope that kind of annoys me is his 100% success rate. Everything is all, it, anime has a lot of all or nothing uh, characteristics, I guess. 
And it's, the fact that this guy has zero missed cases, like you, that's it doesn't work that way. He's got to have a fair amount of cases that are just unsolved because whoever he's looking for is dead in a ditch and they're never going to be found. No, man, not with L. He's the most badass of badass <laughs> ever badass. So don't you badmouth my my homie L. 100%. It's 100%. It's fact, Ricky. 100%. But it's kind of interesting that you bring that up, though, because, I mean, that is sort of a archetype of Japanese culture, let's say, specifically as it regards, um, like, art and manga and anime and all of this, which is, like, the OP character, right? You look, you see it in video games, anime, mangas all the time. Like huge, I mean, Berserk is a is a perfect example, right? Like Guts is just undefeatable, right? Like there's nothing him and his sword can't. And it's interesting because, and so in, in its own way, the reason I bring that up is because you know lights lights very much that way, right? Like he's OP with his like intellect, so to speak. L's that way, right? He's OP with his knowledge and ability to to solve crimes, and. It is kind of interesting because that's something that I notice specifically with American audiences is that it tends to not work for them, right? Like it seems like American audiences typically want some sort of vulnerability. They don't like the characters that are 100% good or bad or vulnerable or whatever it is, right? Um, we want to see shades, which is why characters like Batman, you know, end up being so uh revered and respected right like critically whereas maybe some other characters don't so um i think it's an interesting thing that 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 uh japanese art and entertainment does specifically and how that correlates to the way we do things over here well and i i would say that it actually i think for me anyway it makes the things that i identify with in those characters a little stronger like um you have to you have to ask a question like, okay, if I could control life and death, would I try and create a better world with it, or would I just not trust myself? Like, yeah. that's a heavy question to ask when you're watching uh, an animated program, right? Uh, I want to say hello to our friend Ryan Archuleta. What in up, the chat. Ryan? He says, Oof, I love Death Note. I agree with you, Ryan. Isn't that kind of a um, thing though that like when you get power, like no matter who it is, isn't everyone susceptible to? being bad in a way like absolute absolute power corrupts absolutely right but that's i mean that's a human thing right to go but not in my case <laughs> like i know that absolute power corrupts absolutely so i'll be fine going into it because i know what to guard against right like that is a human thing to and think you can and you could see where somebody you would you could see some, where somebody in high school would go i could pull that off like i think sure that's not difficult to my believe. dad and my grandfather and my great-grandfather and so far back they're all alcoholics but i i'll be fine i can just drink a little bit right yeah that's what i exactly. say every day ricky how did you know my morning mantra <laughs> okay but here's the interesting thing about that is we say that in jest but honestly i mean in in, t in keeping with american conceits that's also kind of a thing that we do i was reading a study recently that said that like 80 percent of people that live paycheck to paycheck it went under an 80 but it was an astronomically high number, let's say it's over 60, of people that live paycheck to paycheck think that they will have a million dollars at one point in their bank account before they die, right? And it's like nothing about your life's experience has said this should happen, but there's a certain amount of self-delusion or optimism, depending on how cynical you want to look at this, you know, 
um, that goes into it where you just say, oh, yeah, no, it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. Right. I'm destined for this whatever. So, you know, that's another thing that kind of plays into this. Destiny. That's always fun. That's funny you bring that up too, because this this is all about destiny, right? He was yeah. was he he was destined to get that book and to become a god, you know, <laughs> well, in his mind, or maybe not. But he, but that's the point, right? Is that it is very human to go, oh, here are all the reasons this must have happened to me. Like I'm gonna try to rationalize in my head why I got this random crazy thing yeah. right like because there must be a reason for it that's a human compulsion is to try to assign meaning to a thing even where there is so i think that's where a big part of that comes from and a big part of it obviously comes from the arrogance right like yeah. <laughs> um but i i do find it interesting that you guys you know have immediate strong reactions to it and it, it doesn't make me happy because that is sort of the point of our show so but what do you think about like I'm going to ask this question. I don't have a better way to phrase it, right? But like rule of cool. There's some cool stuff in this, I think. I think one of the cool things is like the anonymous dude who shows up in a trench coat and he's like, here, listen to this laptop, solve all your problems. Like I, as a Star Trek fan, for example, really like competency porn. And to Ricky D's point from earlier, he's like, Okay, so L must have had contact with a death note or he must have been able to, you know, look at prior cases or something and figure this out. But L explains how he got to all the conclusions that he got to in the second episode in the second episode. He's like, dude, I looked up like first instance of like small time criminal dying and its proximity to several other criminals suddenly dying with like in an unexplained way because as I was watching the first episode of this the first time, I remember going, how could they ever catch this guy? Like, <laughs> he can just kill people. It's crazy. And then in the second episode, the writers are like, well, obviously like this. And it made me personally go, I am not as smart as I thought I was. So. Well, I think for me, like I kind of, the second that they mentioned that other Death Notes have fallen to the earth, I immediately was like, well, someone else that has a debt has or had a death note in the past is going to be able to find this guy. There's going to be someone out there that knows how this works. And I think personally, I think that L kind of has an idea of how the death note works. Hence why he did what he did. Then why did he say I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't just seen it for myself? Smokescreen. Oh, okay. like or gotcha. or maybe he thought that the death note that he had if he had one was the only one in existence and he doesn't believe that there's another one out there this is just my prediction obviously you guys know what happens it's interesting i love I like, I like listening to it see i'm kind of thinking it's possible that if other death notes have fallen to earth maybe there are rumors and whispers of this thing called a death note and maybe l has heard of this and he's like I wonder, let's that look into this pathway and see if this person has a death note and see how we can track him that way. Yeah, it was a very specific way of kind of calling him out, you know, calling Kira out was he was like, well, he can obviously kind of kill people without having to be there. Let's actually test this out and see if he can still do that. Because in, in his little monologue, he was saying... um, I planned on doing this. This isn't an actual worldwide broadcast. It's just here in this specific area. And I was going to plan on doing this in a bunch of different areas, but you made it easy for me because you came out right now. So 
Ella's really, really, really smart and like has a really good way of of getting his information and and a very again methodical way of doing it because you know like one of the biggest things in this was Ella's never shown his face. Why would he do that now? Well, it's because he's not really showing his face. He's throwing a, a decoy out there to to bring the killer out into light. And it's funny. Light. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll come back to that i think in like 10 episodes Go ahead. okay but but yeah i mean that's kind of for me it's it seems a little and right now maybe it's just my my arrogant like i'm pretty good at predicting things for the most part unless it's like star wars i'm really bad at that but <laughs> other things I'm, I'm pretty good at so I, I just to me that that seems to be the the way that it would go is that L, L already has an idea or had the book at some point and kind of knows how to bring him out. Yeah. I like it. Ricky D, do you have any predictions for the series you'd like to lay down here in episode one of season four of Sudden But Inevitable that we can put on the board right now and we can look back and say, look at this, Ricky D totally whiffed or completely nailed it? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say light. Oh, Kira, whatever we want to call him, is going to be a leader in the Shin Megami Tensei world by the end of the series. <laughs> okay, so I have a... I actually do have a question, though, about... Um, let's see, how do I phrase this? I have a question about the, the name Light. What do you guys... Like, it's... Yes, it's a little bit... I don't know... What's the word? On the nose. Weird. <laughs> On the nose. Weird. Uh, I don't know what the word is for it. It's not uh, somebody that, it's not a name that people in America would have. Um, I prefer that, I, I actually really like that they go, you know, hey, they're calling me Kira, which is like how Japanese people would say the word killer, right? The English word killer would be pronounced Kira. So... I prefer Kira because to me that sounds so cool. But what do you guys think about the name Light, Josh and Ricky? Let's ha let's start with Josh. Uh, it just reminds me of Mega Man, Doctor Light. <laughs> <laughs> Everything reminds you it, of Mega Man. It man. does. It's terrible. But like <laughs> for real, like when when he said Light, I was like, oh, Doctor Light, cool. But that's that's about all I got from that. I it's a good name. I mean, it, he could be. Could end up being a shining light in a dark world or something like that. Probably how he sees himself. Yeah, yeah. and that's essentially yeah, probably how he's gonna see himself. Ricky, yeah. what do you got? <laughs> Did you like what do you think about either name, Light or Kira? Uh well, Kira is definitely a better name. It makes you think <laughs> of killer, it makes you it it also rolls off the tongue. And light is kind of an awkward name. Uh so, but what do I think about it? It's obviously symbolic of something that's going to come in the future. Uh, science fiction remnant said the light of the underworld. That makes perfect sense I to like me. Like Is he going to be the light that brings humanity back into fruition rather than this terrible, nasty society that we're currently living in? Uh, I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm sure the name light is meant to project some kind of feelings in us. Now, I have to ask this, and Jason, please forgive me. Uh, everybody in the chat, forgive me too. Josh, let's start with you. What do you think L stands for? Huh, that's interesting. Um, 
because it could stand for light. Oh man, don't do this to me because I just watched, I just finished season two of Star Trek Discovery where there's a bunch of yes. like time travel crap. And so, like, <laughs> so now, now you got me thinking that light is the L is a future light and that he just uses the first letter of his name. And that's where I'm at. That, if I that's how this that works now. out, I am going to remove okay. every bad thing I've said about this show, and I will not say anything <laughs> negative in the future. That would be an excellent plot. <laughs> so we have so we have Ricky and Josh both on the side of they think L stands for light, and L is for light. Uh, our our friend Brittany says if Kira is killer, then would light be right? Uh Yes, I think so. Uh, but it's, I mean, as I was saying, later on he does sort of explain, and actually I think Brittany knows this. I'm not explaining this to you, Brittany. I'm explaining to Josh and Ricky. But later on, Light explains- No, you can't say it. Why his name is is Light, right? Like it's it's a uh, Japanese character written in a very specific way, and that's the reason that it is Light. So um, no, don't say anything. I don't. I don't want to spoil anything for Josh and Ricky. So I really, uh, I'm digging the theories, you guys. I'm having a lot of fun so far. Jason, do you feel like up to the point where L challenges Kira directly, that there's any like huge scene that I have skipped past that we absolutely have to talk about that you want to be the first person to talk about? Anything in your notes where you're like, I feel like we might jump past this if I don't say it now. This is the time to do it, Jason. Go for, <laughs> for it. sure. Well, I so there's not any specific scene or anything like that. What I do just kind of want to touch on is what we're talking about with light and uh, L specifically names, etc. I think that one of the things that gets overlooked is when L is describing exactly how he came to figure out everything that light did. It's not only to communicate to us as an audience that he's very intelligent. It's also to indicate that he is incredibly arrogant. So he's smart and he's arrogant and his name is L. Does that remind us of any other character in this show? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and the way that scene, uh, the way that episode two ends with the split screen and showing, and you know, them coming mm -hmm. up and down. It, I think that the reason that, that he's named L, I mean, just within the context of the world, you know, uh, I'll just go ahead and say, uh, you know, uh, code name. But I think the reason they give him that L is, a, once again, just to really bring together that, like, these are two sides of the same person, right? And they may be existing on opposite sides of this, you know, sort of lateral plane, but they are very much the same person. And they have the same uh, positives, negatives, you know, all of that. So... Once again, I think it's just, you know, uh, it, it's important to recognize that the show is right up front letting you know that like L and Light are, you know, very much the same person and they manifest in different ways, as we'll see. Luminous and yeah, Light. Yeah, and the, well, in that intro, like I know that, you know, Josh and Ricky and I have watched the first 25 seconds of the intro like 90 <laughs> times in the last day. But the intro, <laughs> there's a lot of like, Here's L on one side and here's light on the other side. And they're looking at each other across this chasm, right? Like there's this direct confrontational, you know, cat and mouse, you know, uh, spy versus spy, if you will, sort of like. But they're both just super intellect. <laughs> yes, exactly. A concept versus a concept, right? And that's what makes them both dangerous is that they are 100% convinced that the other person could be the downfall of society. 
given enough leeway. Uh, uh, our friend Phil in the chat points out we're not so different, you and I. And it's, yes, Callie says, absolutely the best. I agree. Uh, our friend Robert said, it's weird for me, but I love the L character more than anyone else in the anime. I don't think that's no. weird at all, Robert. I think that's a lot of people's experience of having <laughs> watched through Death Note personally. Um, Callie points out she always gets Sherlock vibes when we get to explain who L is. And yes, there is. So I... To, to just reiterate everything the three of you gentlemen have said, I love the sound design of this. I love the music. I love the metal in the theme song. I love the just cavalier nature of here's a god of death living in your bedroom with you. And, you know, here's a cyber sleuth who was able to pinpoint all of your kills in the ostensibly early-ish days of the internet, right? So I will throw out here that for me... Death Note is the kind of anime that when I'm done watching it, I go, okay, I need more of this or I want something else that's really close to this. And I will say I found myself coming up a little bit short. There's not a ton that scratches exactly the same itch that Death Note does for me. Um, I really enjoyed Psychopaths. I think Psychopaths is fun. It asks a lot of the same big philosophical questions, things like that. Phil, I know you're in the chat. Please drop any um, uh, philosophical uh, suspense horror gothic anime in the chat that you are aware of. I would imagine that is a much wider genre. He's going to crash the server. D, go ahead. <laughs> He's going to give you so many suggestions. <laughs> We're all gonna like get shut down. Denial of service attack over here from <laughs> Phil and his anime suggestions. It's definitely possible. Um, but I, I, you know, like when you finish watching Cowboy Bebop, if you wanted to, you could go watch Samurai Shampoo or you could watch um, Afro Samurai. Like there's a lot of shows you could watch. Uh, the Great Pretender is very new on Netflix. Um, so I will warn you, gentlemen, if you end up enjoying this series, we may have to just watch some of the movies or something because. I don't really know where else to go from here. Um, I I will ask you the same question now, Josh. Is there anything in these first two episodes you feel like I've steamrolled past that you haven't been able to talk about? What What's the next topic, my friend? I, I mean, there was some good comedy in these. There were some scenes where I laughed out loud. Um, there's one particular scene where, gosh, I think it might be the, the first episode when this kid is complaining about how his mom is always late and, like, She's never here on time to pick me up. Ah, oh, my mom's like, I don't even remember what it was, but I laughed out loud at that. Kid. And that's presented as like a societal level problem. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, parents are always forgetting their kids at arcades and not picking them up from yeah, school. Yeah. On time. Like, um, maybe it is. I don't know. I, I, that never happened to me. And, and Ryuk was really, is that how you say it? Ryuk? Is that his name? Ryuk. Ryuk. Okay. Um, but he's, I, I think he's hilarious. Um, and, and brings a lot of good comedy into the whole, for at least the first two episodes, um, just how mysteriously funny he is. The the first time you see him and, and you know, Kira's mom walks up and he's like, it's okay, let her in, it's fine, see what happens, see, nothing. And it's just, you know, some of the, he says something in school, you know, oh, this is so boring how do you deal with this like I, I don't know there's there's some good little little lines that that bring out some good comedy what this. i like though is that jason brought up the similarities between light and l i really love the similarities between l and ryuk like they're both just like oh i'm so colossally bored like literally <laughs> yeah. anything would be better than this like 
Mass murder would be better yeah. than how bored you I know. am. Like, <laughs> F it. Let's just start writing names in books. I don't even care. And for them to be put on, like, I, I mean, obviously, Ryuk saw light and was like, oh, perfect, right? And dropped his notebook there, well, his second notebook, to your point. One now, thing I kind of keep means... seeing, too, is I get Big Mouth vibes on this real bad. Because his mouth is so big? No, because I feel no, like Ryuk is the hormone monster. Like Ryuk is the hormone monster. Yeah. Man. Like... I can see that. <laughs> I've I've never seen that show. Oh, it's oh, so you're missing good, out. Dude. It's you're a great parallel. Oh, it just really it really makes you remember how terrible middle school was. That's, it's that's also true. very socially responsible. Like yeah, it's yeah. all about it's children. Good and puberty and growing into sexual beings and it's like super off like you shouldn't be uh talking about these it's kind of things awkward as hell. yeah but it's also super socially responsible it's an yeah, amazing yeah. show i like i really like nick kroll um but i i don't know what the answer is my time is limited i it's something like that i but yeah i try to make a podcast every week but that's one thing <laughs> that i get from from my a lot is i just i just want him to start talking dirty <laughs> he feels he feels happier and cuddlier than a demon should i mean let's just be american does a lot of smiling right? like he yeah he's very smiley and kind of fun one eye going I mean, to the left a lot uh, well that's because he's on earth and yeah i mean you know like he basically like he was bored and he came down here and now like stuff's happening so you know why is it this is exactly what he wanted was a little bit of fun and excitement and yeah. he got even more than he bargained for, right? He's yeah. like, oh, these humans, they're great. Wow, this is great. All right, let's strap in. This is better than I thought. Yeah. Give me an apple. <laughs> and every time you think Light is about to go, okay, this is more than I bargained for, he's like... I mean, he's never been wrong about anything in his life. Goes harder. A double down? Double down. He he doubles down like nine times in the first two episodes. <laughs> like, Yeah, and to be fair, yeah, he has been very successful. So it's like to Ricky D's point that you know smart only child syndrome we find out he's not an only child but he has that like feeling of the only mm. child where everybody's like you're so amazing and smart and gifted and talented and statistically he is so it's easy to see where that would all go to his head you know I, I just I really like that and to Callie D's point that is probably why he feels as comfortable playing with people's lives as Ryuk does I think that's a great point I, I did like how he went from writing two names in the book to writing like just pages yeah that's yeah. i mean that's gotta be why why uh the hormone monster comes down because he's like wow this guy's killing so many people i need to check this out i gotta see what's going on here <laughs> yeah. ricky d from best flicks with ricky d are there any scenes that you feel like you have to bring up before we get into our segments my yeah very good friend? uh sorry i was reading the chat it distracted me um, the trap door where he keeps the death note. I thought that was kind of an interesting yes. idea. Uh, it showed a lot of his own hubris. Because he's like, yeah, it's perfect. Nothing. I have devised the perfect plan. And I'm kind of <laughs> seeing some flaws in it. Like, you could definitely set that off on accident. Uh, but as far as he's concerned, he has the perfect situation. And he even goes, look, I can either go to jail and be for the rest of my life and be killed in jail. Or I can deal with a small house fire. I got it. No worries. <laughs> and to Callie D's point, he had what? Five minutes of, is this bad? Am I bad? And then he went, nah, nah. we're good. <laughs> and he wrote all the names in. Now, <clears throat> I, to that point, Callie, that scene is actually even a flashback. We don't even see him have remorse for killing the two people until like days after it happened. Yeah. 
and he's talking to Ryuk and he's like, oh yeah, no, I was like real messed up for like oh, just minutes on end. And, <laughs> and then everything was fine because he's, you know, he's in that hallway. He's like, those were human lives. I did that. I killed these people. I, I am, you know, is this okay to do? And then he goes, oh, never mind. I'm happy. I, I, I think I'm the person to do this. We have to say hello to our friend Rosie. She says, I made it. It is bad. She does not approve of light's actions i don't think rosie throw into the chat how you feel about light i she says hello jason this is our friend rosie she's a very long time supporter of ours you may recognize rosie as one of the ladies from the heist scene in the movie serenity no big Ah. deal she's a very long time friend of ours and one of the original brown coats she is a brown coat from back in the day on the old boards she is just one of the most supportive people that we've ever met in our whole life, and we are happy to have her here with us now. I will say, Rosie was very skeptical of Death Note going in, gentlemen, so I'm a little bit worried. I just, she I was... may not watch all the episodes with us. I'm interested to see what she thinks after these first couple episodes. I just, I have to know how Rosie feels. Does she mean it is bad as in, hey, I just got as here and watched the show, show. Bad. it's bad. Yeah, or... <laughs> or was she going, hey, I made it to your podcast. I don't know why, though, because it is bad. All she said was, it is bad, so we need some clarification. <laughs> just, just, give me, just give me anything. I want to know that you are here because you're having a good time, not because you feel that we made you watch a show that you hate. Um, just, just have okay, to say. Light, light, oh, light is, is bad. bad. Yes, okay. okay, yeah, I can agree with that. I think you're going to appreciate the character of L. Now. Because it's light in the future. <laughs> I got to say, you guys, I really appreciate, I know that we have gotten, we've gotten guff for this before, okay? But I have to say how much I love our, our live chat. When we have people show up partway through the show, the rest of the live chat's like, hey, how you doing? We missed you. Everyone in our live chat says hello to our guests when it's their first time. When they come back, they say, welcome back. Spoiler alert, Jason. It's just, I, I am so grateful. So I'm just going to take a moment to say thank you, Rosie. Thank you, Rona. Thank you, Callie. Thank you, Robert from Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Brittany. You guys have all just been huge support. And I, I'm very grateful to have you here with us tonight. So yeah, thank you for watching. Yeah, suck it, dude from Canada who doesn't like when we appreciate and- our, <laughs> our live chat. <laughs> And I have to just, I'm going to highlight this because this is how I am. Our friend Rosie says, I'm here because I love you guys, SBI. Uh, Even if she didn't want to watch Death Note, Rosie would be here with us watching this anime, you guys. Uh, (laughs) Ryan makes a good point. Team Team Light, Team Thanos, Devil Face. I think that that's accurate. I don't think that that is an inaccurate depiction of either of those philosophical reasons for killing as many people as you can get your hands on. Our friend Robert is here. What donuts? donuts. Did you bring donuts, Jesse? Did I not send you the donuts, Josh? I apologize for that. Um, I quit. our (laughs) Our friend Callie is... Over here for L simping. Speaking of donuts, our friend L, as you will come to find out, would be a fan of the donut chat. Now, before we jump into our segments, I'm going to do one more run around the screen. Jason, if there's anything you feel like from these first two episodes that must be discussed specifically, please bring them up now. No, I think we're good. Josh, my friend, I know that we can't. Oh, there you are. Do you have anything you simply must discuss before we get to our segments? Nah, I think I think I got the rest of my stuff in segments. All right. We do have a segment on simping for L. Don't worry, Kelly. All right. Ricky D, <laughs> anything else that we need to cover before the segments arrive? I think I'm good to go. Josh, my friend, if you wouldn't mind, do me a favor and cue up the shot of the show. 
Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments for this week's episode of Sudden But Inevitable. As we are going two episodes at a time, we are going to allow everyone to pick two picks for a segment as we go through this season four of Sudden But Inevitable, discussing Death Note. Josh, my friend, please, if you don't mind, give me Jason's first shot and the time code, and then Jason, break this shot down for us and tell us why you chose it. It comes in at 225, and it is this guy right here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is just so we touched on it before. I really like the character of Ryuk. I really like the sort of demonology aspect of it, just the design of everything. Um, And I love the emptiness that this shot reflects. You know, it's not saying that like like purgatory is like the absence of anything. Right. And we see that expressed here this demon just looking at this expansive infinity of nothingness. And it's also just a really cool shot. The symmetry, right? Uh, it's almost got like a, like a sun where we see an image in the middle and it flares outward. So uh, I just really enjoy what this shot says about the world as well as just the overall composition. I like that a lot, Josh, if you don't mind, give me Jason's second pick as the time code. Oh, I didn't know we were... I'm, I'm sorry. Hang on one second. You know what? You know what? Know. You're right. Let's let's stick with the first episode. I'm sorry. Give me Ricky's pick for episode one and his time code, and then Ricky, you talk about it. I'm sorry, Josh. You're right. This way it makes no, no, much more sense. I, I can... I'll be prepared next week, but Ricky's comes in at the 14-minute mark, and it's this guy. Yeah, Ooh. so we did a lot of talking about the notebook. Uh, from, from what I remember we only knew that he killed two people and there's a lot of talk about all the people he's killed, but I was sitting there going, I only remember two people. And then we finally get this montage of him just writing all the names, being as calligraphic as possible, uh, animating his kills, all of that. And it, uh, it kind of brought the episode together. It, it told me who light really is. Uh, he's very unapologetic about doing this. He's a murderer. So I thought this, yeah, he's a murderer. <laughs> so I thought this was a good shot. And he is a murderer who believes himself to be justified. He thinks he is conducting the world toward a better future. And he's just, oh, it's it's this beautiful scene. I love this scene. It is a little bit cheesy depending on how you watch it. But I got to tell you, it gets me every time I start this series over. I'm like, yes, write the names. Here we go. Not because I want those people to die, but because I am so excited to have the board set up with all the pieces. Josh, give me your first selection for Shot of the Show, the time code, and go ahead, my friend. Mine comes at the 10 minute and 11 second mark, and it's right when Homeboy gets destroyed by the truck. (laughs) (laughs) Because what else can you... I mean, that's just an awesome... It's very split second. It took me a minute to get this particular shot, but I always love these background explosions, I guess you would say. Like... Mm someone running away from an explosion but obviously this is a little bit different than that and I'm, I'm a big fan of big things happening in the background um and just i don't know man that guy gets wiped out and like he does to get to this shot like i had to really freeze frame this and go really slow <laughs> and man they are good with this shot because you see like at one point you see the frontal angle and the guy just like flying off to the side and like, I don't know, they did a really good job with, with this whole scene. So I was a big well, fan of this. That's an excellent point, Josh, because it brings up and it illustrates that light 
can now use anything as a weapon. Like right. this semi truck, that's a weapon. That window over there that's open, that's a weapon. The clothing that you have on you and you're in a small room by yourself, that's a weapon. Like <laughs> yeah. it really illustrates the power that he has. I have to point out this beautiful comment from our friend Rosie in the live chat. Isn't the Death Note violating the prime directive interfering with the natural order? Two things, Rosie. First thing, Light is not a Starfleet officer and is thus not bound by the prime directive. And secondarily, as our friend Callie points out, absolutely. That's the thing about Light, though. He has decided that the natural order needs a push and he feels he's the only one who can do it. He's truly arrogant. He's sort of like a Starfleet captain. And you know what? I'm just going to not follow that. So these are Excellent, excellent analyses happening in our live chat. I just I just got to say, if you are out there listening in podcast land, please join us every Friday night at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. I promise you will have fun in our live chat, even if I don't call your name out, but I will. It will totally happen. You can also Josh. go to twistmyarm.net and the live page on that for any of our live shows. Um, anytime we go live... It will be on our actual website, twistmyarm.net. And it's it goes for all the shows in the network. Every, so if you want every to watch shows, yeah. Inevitable, every, every Marvel show. Canon Madness, Best Flicks with the Ricky D, anything. Now, Josh, if you don't mind, throw me my time code and my shot because I don't remember them. Yeah, I know. Uh, yours is at the 11 minute and 30 second mark. It is this guy right here. Okay. So sort of to, uh, this is sort of the reverse of Jason's mm-hmm. shot, right? Like this is... Ryuk staring through the portal to the human world going, man, it's not the greatest trip, but it does look really interesting on the other side of this door. So I'm going to go. I'm I'm just going to go. I'm going to go see what happens. He's leaving this world of no color, of just bland, drab, blahness, and he's going into the human world where everything has flavor and color and fun and danger and... Of course, death. But I just, I'm a sucker for a good portal. I don't know about you guys, but I just, I like portals. So, Josh, if you don't mind, bring up Jason's I second agree. pick for Shot of the Show. Yeah, give me uh, just a second here. Uh, that was really quick. That was a really quick segue. <laughs> and while you bring that up, too, I do think it's just interesting to note real quick the similarities between our two shots where the, even the portal actually looks like an eye, right? You've got the iris with the bright center, then it's a little light, it's a little darker, but still light in the middle, and then all of a sudden on the outside, it's much darker. So if you like yep. picture the two, you can see the same thing, same composition represented. And that sort of desaturated, like gray coloring in the surrounding flesh on Ryuk's face, or in this case, the stone on the portal is just like, bleh, yeah, very bland, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. Give us that next time cool. code and shot. Uh, it's at 11 minutes and 18 seconds. This guy. Yeah. Okay. So this shot isn't necessarily great in and of itself, right? But what I love is what it represents because this is the final shot of Light going through his little notebook contraption thing that he has. Okay. And if it goes off, it's this giant explosion. We see that represented in this shot, right? But what's interesting is how it contrasts with the way that light presents it. Because I believe, I don't quote me, but his line of dialogue is something where it's more or less like, and if the thing goes off, well, at least I'm not executed. And it's just a little itty bitty house fire, right? Something like that. And so you would think that visually represented you would show like, you know, a wide shot with a house and maybe there's a couple flames and or some light smoke coming, right? But no, this is this huge giant explosion. And so the implication once again is that light 
he's he's so good that even these huge dramatic drastic things like it's nothing to him like to him it's just a minor little flame up and yet here visually it's this giant explosion that's obviously going to have a huge effect so i like the way that again the violence of the image contradicts the almost blase nature that light responds to it with well and it illustrates that he is already at a point where he's like dude the stakes are societal it does my house doesn't matter you know one person's life doesn't matter 15 people's lives don't matter these are societal level stakes so if i burn down a house whatever mm-hmm. like it does show there's already some disconnect because most people will go okay uh, maybe this is more dangerous than i thought and i don't want to deal with it not like well let me just set up a contraption that could explode everyone i love yeah right uh, the house just blew up dude you know. i don't know why you, what, what's this all about dude come on but to Callie's point, he's a genius. He doesn't half-ass <laughs> things. You got to give him that. That's true. Uh, so I believe that makes it Ricky D's second turn. Josh, thank you, please, in everything. Seven minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, thief. <laughs> yeah, well, I got there first. So this <laughs> is the fake L that was addressing all of the Congress and addressing Kira through the TV and all of that. Uh, I just thought this was a really good pivotal point in the episode where L really gets over on Kira and he lets him know, you know, I, I'm much further into this than you understand. I really do know what's going on. Uh, I also just really liked that this character reminded me of Carmen Sandiego. If you guys <laughs> remember that old where in the yeah, world really. is Carmen Sandiego. Uh, so yeah, it had a lot of good vibes for me. I like that. And just so that everyone listening and watching is 100% clear, he's actually talking about Watari. The first time that we see Watari in the Thank silhouette you. with the hat on, the uh, fake L is, has a different name and it does not show up like in silhouette. But I know exactly what you were shooting for. There's a lot of like, uh, no one knows who that is and no one knows yeah. who that is. And here's a character you've never seen before in the span of about four minutes. So, um, But to Phil's point, he does look like a serious detective. Right, he didn't look like a criminal. Like, Whoa. Yeah, they're like, well, crazy serious detective. And they're like, no, that's actually just the guy that we use to get a hold of the guy who lives in the computer. Uh, Josh, my friend, if you wouldn't mind giving us your second time code and shot. Yeah, so mine's at the three minute and three second mark. Three, oh, three. And I, it actually kind of correlates with um, my quote my, for the next segment. So um, it's when they're walking after school, when uh, Kira and, God, what's, whatever the hormone monster yeah, or walking after school <laughs> <laughs> and uh and he just like he just looks so happy with his wings out and he's just so stoked to be looking around at everything whereas kira is just so upset to be there you know like at one point i think i i don't want to give it away too much because it'll be in the next segment but yeah this this is just kind of like my it's the epitome of what their relationship is you know like he's not asking for this, but the hormone monster is there for all the fun. <laughs> and he is quite literally just hanging around. Yep. Like he's like, yeah, I'm just going to chill wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I really like that. Uh, apologies there, Josh. I, I hit the wrong button. So oh, what happened okay. there was not your fault. It's okay. If you wouldn't mind, give me the time code for this shot and I will discuss it. It's going to be yours at. Did I not save this one? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't save it in my actual file. 11 minutes and three seconds. Yeah. Three seconds. Yeah. So this is, yes, a weird shot. 
I know. Um, this is the two pieces shot. of metal on the on the aforementioned uh, trap that light sets on the Death Note, right? This is the two pieces of metal that if they connect because the false bottom of the drawer was forcibly removed will create a circuit, thus exploding the Death Note. I just thought, what a beautiful metaphor for the entire show, right? There's like this, uh, this circle of death, and if anybody manages to complete, you know, put all of the pieces of that circle together, the other person will die. Um, but one person thinks they have the circle set up in such a way that only they can manipulate it, whereas anybody watching is like, I feel like there's more than one way to manipulate this circle and thus cause incendiary consequences. So, um, it's a little simple of a shot, but I think it has huge metaphorical implications for the entire series going forward from here. Now, uh, if you have been here at Sudden But Inevitable before, you know that we have another segment coming right up. And Josh, that segment this season is called Death Quote. Death Quote, of course, is where we will share our favorite moments of audio fun from this week's episodes of death note this used to be called no finer one-liner but we just couldn't help ourselves because how fun is death quote jason as our guest why don't you go first josh please play his first selection just a quick disclaimer we're doing these quotes a little bit differently as well um and the subtitles in this show are way different from what the actual like english dub is so I actually just left the subtitles in with the dub to show the difference and how, yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. So you will see. So go ahead and play Jason's selection, and then Jason walk us through why you chose it. <laughs> I didn't choose you. Don't you see? This is all just an accident. You actually thought you were chosen because you're so smart or something. Don't be so vain. Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the quotes concerned, it's just it's really. It's it's kind of representative of everything that I've been sort of talking about with regards to just light and the way that he sees the world and the way that he's so in his own head. And he it's interesting because even the way that he responds as quickly as he does and how quickly he fills up the notebook and everything else that goes on, like you can almost argue that he's sociopathic before the series even begins, right? the the god complex you almost get the sense that he walks around literally thinking that other people are not up to his level which i think makes it like why it's it only takes that half step for him to be like ah should i kill yes absolutely i should right like did not even give it a moment's (laughs) thought right he was just like bam right there um again i think a lot of people would wrestle with that a lot more they would you know go back and forth should i do it should i not write it down erase it you know He's just like, yeah, no, let's do this. Like, I, I am the I am the person for this job. And um, again, I think that his disconnect from society and from humanity allows him to do that. And, and so this is just reflective of that. Uh, and it's it's the really yeah, like the, the Shinigami calling him out for it, basically. That and and just that like, no, <laughs> like, you go ahead, make whatever assumptions you want, but no, and and fine but no and again it's such a human conceit too where it's like because you know we have this thing where we have to make order out of all chaos right like it's just and whether or not it's correct as long as it makes sense to us we'll kind of just proceed as though it's true you know and so yeah for for light he's like well of course i would be selected by some higher power because you know i'm me and he's like homie this was all just a complete accident but you tell yourself whatever you want 
Yeah. <laughs> I love the pick. I love the pick. Josh, please give me Ricky D's first pick. Once you actually start looking around, it makes you wonder if you'd be doing society a favor by getting rid of all these people. So this was nine minutes into the first episode, and it's just sorry light thinking about his new powers. He's thinking about, okay, I'm pretty sure I can kill somebody with this. Uh, I'm looking around, and I think some people need to be killed. So and he's, it's just this point where he's mulling it over, and he's about to kill the guy uh, that's messing around with that girl. And uh, sorry, I got distracted again. <laughs> uh, it's just—it's a very we all waved at the yeah, camera. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> leaving the light. Yeah, do? Everybody started waving at me, and I got confused. <laughs> I just think it's a really <laughs> important, integral part of the episode. Yes, and and I gotta agree with you. And and I to Josh's point, the difference there between the uh, subs and the dubs. In the dub, he goes, you know, what if I just got rid of all them? The subtitles just say, what if I killed all these people? So they definitely softened the audio edge a little for the American. Well, audience. I kind of I kind of think that they gave the like the voiceover, the voice actors a little more freedom to change the lines. It seems like. Well, there's no, I mean, there's no reason to think that the subtitles come from the script. I mean, they probably just tell somebody, okay, watch this and translate it yeah, instead I, of going the smart way, which would be to hand them a script. I wonder, I I, I wonder smarter, how, but I don't think that's how it I goes. I wonder how they did that because Cowboy Bebop had some different like subtitles compared to the dubs, but it was nothing like this. It wasn't huge tonal things usually, mm-hmm. but um, Josh, go ahead and give us your first pick for... Death it is at the 14 minute and 15 second mark. So what'll happen to me? You're here to take my soul, right? Huh? What do you mean? Is that some fantasy you humans came up with? So, I love this because he's like, what? What are you talking about? No, I'm just here to have fun, bro. Like, I'm just here to eat apples and watch you kill people. What? <laughs> it's the other side of, no, you weren't chosen. It's exactly like, and and i love the thing about this is crazy or cool. yeah and, and i love the is that some fantasy that you humans came up with like like he knows how humans are towards gods and stuff and how some of our small minds can make up big stories you know so it's yeah I, I, again it was it was funny i like i liked his reaction to that what what are you talking about <laughs> I really like it. Our friend Brittany points out, I have noticed a lot of difference with dub and sub in a lot of shows and anime and K-dramas changes slightly for the culture. That's kind of what I was thinking it would be is they were like, if we have him just say, I'm going to kill whoever I feel like, then Americans will not like him. But if we say, what if I got rid of people? What? Americans might go, hmm. But I mean, he then Americans proceeds to kill dumb. a bunch of people. So <laughs> it's true, we are. Josh, if you don't mind, give me the time code for my clip. Uh, and then did, I think yours comes in episode two. Okay, then just uh play jason's first selection yeah, for episode okay. two it's at uh, 21 minutes and 10 seconds which if i didn't say it before jason's one in episode one came at 16 minutes and 29 seconds so episode two is 21 minutes and 10 seconds humans are so much fun i will hunt you down wherever you're hiding and i will eliminate you i am i am justice yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of both of them concurrently, but it just plays into what I was mentioning a little bit ago, just about the nature of how similar Light and L are and how 
Um, you know, both of them would probably meet and say they were nothing like the other, right? Because that's how this always goes. Whereas everyone else is going like, do you guys, do you guys not see what we see? Because you guys are like the exact same thing. Spider-Man. Just kind of, you know, tweaked a little bit differently. So, uh, and again, this is going to be a recurring theme over and over and over, uh, throughout the series of, uh, the similarities between the two of them, but, and then the manifestations that result from that. I think at that scene, I love it. I just kept saying, "All right, Batman." Okay, Justice. <laughs> that's fair. I told uh, Jason actually back and forth in our Twitter chat. I was like, "Dude, that's a good pick." And I don't know about you. I know it's cheesy, but I said justice when they said justice because I knew it was coming. Like, I I love that line. <laughs> I know it's cheesy, but it is fun. It's like all the pieces are set. Here comes the game. I am so yeah. ready for Death Note. You I rolled guys. my eyes. Okay, Josh. <laughs> Give me, you would give me Ricky's second pick for Death Quote. 12 minutes and 7 seconds it all comes down to a choice would I prefer to be executed or deal with a little house fire yeah I brought this one up earlier in the episode it uh, it just speaks of his incredible hubris uh, he's so confident that everything he's doing is correct he is covering all of his tracks he is committing the flawless mass murder that this world needs in his head and everybody else can just kind of, they can see some chinks in the armor. They can see some errors going on and it's just, I'm excited to see where this is going to go. I like it. And our friend Brittany has pointed out in the chat. He also did that with Ryuk when they both said the world is rotten. He is L is similar. Sorry. Light is similar to both L and Ryuk torn between good and bad. Maybe I think the, the difference is that, L may be torn between like ideas of good and bad, but light is definitely square in the I am right uh, arena, I think. Um, so, Josh, I believe that brings up your second pick. Yes. And, you know, the whole time I was making these videos, I just next week and for the rest of the season, I'm going to make sure that I actually put the timestamp in the video so we don't have to. <laughs> Say it before each video. I just feel kind of <laughs> dumb doing it, uh, especially with, you know, whatever. So mine comes at the two minute and 50 second mark. So you got I thought it'd never end. How do you do this every day? It's so boring here. Hey, where are you going? Hey, Light, are you listening to me? Don't talk to me. Unlike you, people can still hear me when I talk out loud. <laughs> well, aren't you boring? Hey, hey, Light. Hey, hey, dude. What are you doing? Hey, man. Hey, that, that that was really boring over there. Hey, like, are you listening to me? <laughs> I, I really like how he's just, he has no care in the world. Because I, I think he was supposed to be scratching himself, but he looked like he was doing armpit farts. <laughs> that was pretty comical. <laughs> I'd say he's like a gothic eldritch Navi. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> for sure. Listen. For sure. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you guys ever saw that old Looney Tunes cartoon with oh, like so two dogs. There's a big dog and the small dog, and the small dog's like, "Hey Spike, hey Spike, you want to go catch a cat, Spike?" And he's like, "Nah." Oh, you're right, yeah. Spike. That was a bad idea, Spike. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I, I really, I really like. I it. really enjoy the uh, relationship between these two because, again, you know, Batman over here, Mister Justice himself, thinks that he's God's gift to man, and then you got the hormone monster that's just like, oh, I can't wait to watch all the things that unfold here. And this is, ooh, Apple. That's cool. Excellent. Hey, are you paying attention to me? Like, He's just, I, I like his character. 
I I gotta agree with Callie. Uh, Ryuk giving off annoying orange vibes. <laughs> um, and excellent, excellent pick, Josh. Uh, I believe that brings us to my pick. If I'm not yes, mistaken. eleven minutes and ten seconds. My, okay. I've heard of humans finding death notes in the past, and typically the biggest problem they have is finding a good place to hide it. But you, Light, you're probably the first to have given it this much thought. Okay, so I want to know uh, about the other Death Notes. I would like to see an anthology series about Death Notes in the past. I want to see a Death Note that landed in, like, Roman times. I want to see a Death Note that landed in Samurai times. Give me all the Death Note anthology series, please. Why? Do I not have more than just these 37 episodes? Like, I I'm, I love these 37 episodes, but I would enjoy some more Death Note. I mean, I think we have come to be known here at Sudden But Inevitable as a crew that goes, can we please have more of the thing? So I'm just going to continue that right along, <laughs> gentlemen. Now, of course, there is Wait, one or two hang more on. things that hang we on. do. Before we go from there, go ahead. this story has an ending, right? I'm not going to be left on some sort of bullshit yes. firefly cliffhanger, am I? <laughs> yeah, so this, to to be, that's a fair question. Uh, and no, this was much, much as Cowboy Bebop, it was written as okay. one complete oh, season. So God. there is a story here that is being told to you. I'm not going to, at the end of it, go like, ha ha, psych, it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, I, and to be fair, I mean, I would do that. I know you, you so would. No, that's why I, I got to ask. <laughs> I am not doing that to you right now. Our friend Brittany says, write a Death Note fan fiction. So. Before we get to the last thing that we do, which is share some socials and some plugs, and we say hello and thank you to everybody, what we like to do here at Sudden But Inevitable is get a rating out of everyone, and this season, there is a bumper for that. Josh, go right ahead. We are going to do it just a little bit different than we normally would do it, because we are going to watch two episodes at a time. I'm going to ask everyone for one combined rating on the two episodes as a singular experience. And specifically, I think with these two episodes, that works really well, because they're sort of part one and two of like a pilot, right? It's setting up the game board, so to speak. So... That having been that's said, it's going to be hard later on, I think. It might be. And that's, I think, part of why I'm instituting it is so that we can maybe get a little more range in our scores. We're sort of known as a show that only has positive scores, which I'm okay with, but I'd like to see if we can throw some range into it. So, Jason, as our guest, if you were going to give these two episodes a score out of 10, how would you go about doing 10 that? 10 death notes. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 8.5. Uh, I think it's a really strong setup. I think that it. It probably it might rush things a little bit too much, but at the same time, it's doing exactly what it sets out to do. You know, it want it wanted to kick things off, and and for what it's worth as well, uh, it's worth mentioning this is a very faithful port of the manga, uh, to the standpoint of like they they there's very little in the actual like manga that did not make it over to the uh, to the anime. It, the ending is slightly different. Uh, that's the only thing. So so um. We are big fans of well-adapted things here at Sudden But Inevitable, and we are also the kind of people that will argue what well-adapted means, so I think that it's a, a good caveat to add. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately there's not uh, more for you to go check out. That's the downside of that, but um, you are getting like yeah. an accurate... But in all of that to say to Josh, your, to your point, Josh, is it's got a beginning, middle, and end for sure, so you don't have to worry cool. about it. Yes. That's exciting. And there are movies. There are live action adaptations, mm-hmm. one of which we may never speak of, but we may. <laughs> I almost watched know. that there's, one there's before a lot I watched of, the series. Just I'm really glad that you didn't. I'm glad you were able to restrain yourself. Mm-hmm. So, 
Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Go ahead, give me a rating for these two episodes and tell me why. Yeah, uh, I was sitting at right around a six for the episode for the first episode and 7.5 for the second. So if I'm going to combine those, that gives me 6.75. That's probably the lowest rating I've ever given. Uh, So I think this, it started out a little bit rough for me, but like Jesse has said a number of times, I think we've got an excellent setup right now to dive into something very interesting. I'm very curious to see how they unravel all of this, all the moral, all the morals that are going to be going on here. So uh, a little bit lower score, but I am excited to move forward. There's that range I was talking about, my friends. Josh, what do you have? I would give episode one a seven and episode two an eight. Seven. Seven. Yeah, so 7.5 for both. So, yeah, I just like you said, it was a pilot episode for sure, like a two part pilot. And I think as a two-part pilot, it would have been a, a nice 7.5. That Just a good explanation into what's going to happen. Good explanation into who the... Well, kind of. like We, we kind of think we know who the hero and who the... Would it be the antagonist is? Um, and, you know, we have the, the devil on the shoulder. We have the side characters. So it's... It was a good introduction. I would, I would say 7.5. Okay, I'm going to apply all the nuance that you just said to your score and jack it up to a nine because I think these two episodes get you into yep. this series. I really think that they make you go, I want to know what happens next. I, I honestly think that if you guys, if I hadn't said, okay, we're going to do two at a time and then I had you just watch it, I think you probably would have watched the third episode, maybe even the fourth episode. Um, I'm not 100% sure Someone, on that. I, but I had a friend watch this with me, you know, just... In, in... When we got done with episode two, she was like, okay, episode three. And I was like, I can't. I was like, I can't yet. I got to, I got to, and she's like, what do you mean you got to wait? Wait. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that's actually a great point, Josh. I got to remind everybody in the audience do not watch ahead on uh, Freaks and Geeks. We are watching one episode a year. And if you watch ahead, it will throw off. It will throw off the whole plan and, and will feel really strange. So please don't watch ahead without us. Uh, so with my score factored in, that gives us a 79% for these first two episodes of Death Note. I feel pretty good about that. Way higher than average. Almost a B. I would be willing to call it a B. If I were your teacher, I would round it up. And then I would inflate your ego like you know everybody in Light's Life does with him. <laughs> so now that we have all of that wonderful business out of the way, my friends... I think it is time that we give Jason a moment to let the wonderful folks in the live chat and listening out there in podcast land know where they can get more Jason if they need more Jason. <laughs> well, no one needs more Jason, but if anyone wants that for whatever reason, you go ahead and check out my show, Esoterica Cinema. Do it with a co-host and very good friend, best friend, Ryan Siebold, and we've been doing it for two seasons. We are in the off-season and about to go into our third. For the off-season, we're doing a bunch of sort of bonus content things that aren't within our normal wheelhouse like we did Neon Genesis with you. Um, to let people know, we're actually a film review program, and we tend to look at programs that are sort of exist outside of the mainstream. So indie films, older films, uh, weird-ass A24 films, genre films, art films, everything in between, right? As long as it's not a summer blockbuster or something that came away with 12 Academy Awards, uh, we're going to go ahead and look at it. So... Yeah, we uh, we we ended with the keep 
uh, on our season two. And uh, we're going to announce season three pretty soon. So I'm going to hold off on the film. But all of that to say, we are available once again, Esoterica Cinema. And we're available on all the different streaming platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, Apple, wherever you go. Also, uh, website, esotericacinema.com. And then, of course, we've got the Instagram and the Twitter. So, yeah, we got a pretty good presence. You can find us a number of spots. And if you like what we're about, we do encourage you to hit us up and let us know uh, what films you'd like to see. Because we're trying to see if there's some other movies that we can uh, work in that people want to hear. You've got to watch the Korean film Terraformers. Yeah? Write right. this down. I'm going to say, so here's the thing. I'm going to write it down, but then I'm probably also going to invite you to come talk about it with us. Please you know, do. This is gonna Please come, do. Right? I'm so down okay. with that. And I've All been right. trying Was to it get Terra- Terraformers? Terraformers. It's, it's Terraformers. based on an okay. old uh, comic, I believe. And it, I was gonna it's say, is it sci-fi just, or what is it? It's very sci-fi and it's very nice. awesomely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> If you are out there hearing this, I will vouch for the title of Jason's show being Esoterica Cinema. That is not just a name. They cover movies I have literally (laughs) never heard of in my life. And it is a very good show. I... I, you know how I am. I'm very picky. I have a show about how picky I am. I have listened to Jason's coverage of movies I have never seen and enjoyed myself. So please go check it out. To that point, our Thanks, friend man. Callie points out, if anybody wants that for any reason, Jason, my man, you are amazing. I think that's reason enough for people to go check you out. Thank you for coming here today. And I just got to reiterate, go check out that Neon Genesis Evangelion episode. There's going to be more dropping and we had a blast, which I think means you will have a blast too. Now, Josh, my friend, give us your socials. Give us your plugs. Take you it find away. me on Twitter at TwistMyArmCast. Um, I've been trying to get on Twitter a little bit more lately. Um, I like to troll, so I do most of my trolling on Facebook. You can f- find me on Facebook. Just search for me or Twist My Arm Podcast. Um, we do have our website, like I was mentioning before, TwistMyArm.net. that has all the different shows that we feature, um, including Sudden But Inevitable, Best Flicks with Ricky D, Marvel Can of Madness, which is a Marvel show that I'm a part of. Currently, we're talking about Moon Knight. Um, we go live every Monday at about 7.30 Central Standard Time. Um, and we're doing you know, a week-by-week analysis of Moon Knight, and then we'll have Doctor Strange, and then whatever else comes out after that. Um, Quest Me is coming back here soon. That's going to be at the end of May. May 25th is when uh, the Kenobi series starts. So Quest Me, as you all know, is a Star Wars show. And that'll be back here soon. Um, what else? What else? What else? Instagram, Twist My Arm podcast. Uh, that's I, I just I post a lot of just dumb memes on Instagram. Honestly, there's not really a lot of <laughs> good stuff that comes from that. But so go there and follow that. <laughs> um, really and truly, though, like if you ever want to get a hold of me, Twitter is probably the best place to do it at Twist My Armcast. Um, and yeah, if I I I really want to be on some more. Like I want to guest on some more shows. I've been trying to put my feelers out there. So if anyone is looking for. I don't even care what it is. I'll guest on anything. Give, <laughs> give me any any show that I, I that you want me to be a part of, and I will do my research and I will be a part of it. Um, and that's kind of one of my goals for this year is to branch out and do do a little bit more podcasting other than pop culture, movies, TV shows, stuff like that. So I, I would like to, yeah, hit me up, twist my arm, cast. And thanks, Rosie. I I like I like the toaster that you sent me. 
and the awesome comics that you sent me. Rosie, you're the best. I like. Rosie sent Josh some real life housewarming uh, presents. That's the kind of fan that she is. That's I'm nice. not joking. Incredible. Uh, Ricky D. Before Josh melts, where can the folks find you? Give yeah, us I do my best friends. work right here at the Sudden But Inevitable podcast every Friday night. Um, I also have best flicks with Ricky D. I've been slowing down on it a little bit. I need to make some plans, but best flicks with Ricky D. is going to be uh, back in force sometime soon. So uh, go ahead, listen to some. Let's do Batman. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and listen to some back episodes. Uh, maybe we'll come up with Batman. And uh, I've got some good plans for the future. So that's where you can find me. Wonderful, my friend. And for whatever reason, if you don't already know, you can follow me on Twitter at SuddenButt. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm there all the time. You can also find me on Jason's show, Esoterica Cinema, talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion. You can find me on the 20th most popular episode ever of Cheap Seat Reviews, talking about The Princess Bride. Please go check that out. You can find me on Green Shirt, guesting on various Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. And of course, if you want to hear me on my own Star Trek podcast, you can go find Find Open Pike Night at your favorite podcast player, or you can follow that show on Twitter at Open Pike. We would love to hear from you and how you feel about Strange New Worlds. We accept audio clips at openpike at gmail.com. 90 seconds or shorter, please, but we will put you up on stage and share your voice with the rest of the Trekkies. Gentlemen on the screen, thank you so much once again for being with me, and I think we should run back through the chat one more time. What do you think? Thank you, Rosie. Thank you, Callie. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Rona. Thank you, Philip. Have I missed anyone? Oh, there's so many people to say thank you to. Just thank you. If I missed you, thank you so much for being here with us. And thank you out there in podcast land for listening because we wouldn't be the show that we are without you. So thank you so much for your continued support. That having been said, guys, let's go ahead and get out of here. For the sign-off order, let's go Jason, Ricky, Josh, and myself. So for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. I've been Jason. This is Ricky D. I'm Josh, wondering if we should play the intro for the outro. We should totally play the intro for the outro. And remember, I will become the god of this new podcast. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them.